The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the SB Nation NFL Show. I'm Rob Statsguerrero. You are used to hearing my name on a Tuesday, but with me today, not Brandon Lee Gowden from Bleeding Green Nation. I don't know if it's an upgrade or a downgrade, frankly, but RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys is here. What's up, RJ? It's definitely an upgrade. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like going from Captain America to Iron Man, the Joker to Batman, in and out to Whataburger, whatever the case may be. Statistics, it's always a great day to be here with you. I call you that when it's a matter of serious importance, as this is because it is officially the week of the 2021 NFL Draft. Oh, I can't wait. It's awesome. It's almost here, RJ. I can taste it. Are you in pain? (laughs) I don't know if it's pain. I don't know if it's excitement, but like I literally have no idea what's going to happen. And as somebody that does this for a living, like that is the best thing ever. We have no clue what's going to happen. We do want you to rate, review and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We hope that happens. Uh, But it's a little bit of a different show today. It's not me and BLG. Like I said, we are doing draft preview so what we're going to do for you is we are going to go through division by division and preview what we think is going to happen what you should look for what teams could do what they should do we are going to go through every division this is going to be an extra long two-part episode rj are you pumped for this i am pumped i'm only here for the first part uh for the superior conference but um i i trust you to handle the second part without me i know that you know Let's be honest, the show you do without me normally here suffers because I'm not there. Um, but but the show that you and I are together on, boom, dynamite. Not, not, a, not a qualm with it in the whole world, but I am very pumped. Uh, in fact, I believe first up, you know, first order of business is the NFC East. Am I wrong? Uh, you are not wrong. We are going to start with the NFC. That's going to be part one. You handled the majority of that. Then we're going to go to the AFC where I actually did a host job and did the entire conference myself. So, you know, just throwing that out there for people who might be taking notes at home. Yeah, I mean, look, the AFC is the inferior conference. Everybody knows this. The NFC has the reigning Super Bowl champion. The NFC has the two of us and BLG and Kyle Posey, for what it's worth, (laughs) and Michael Kist uh, and Ed Valentine. I mean, the NFC is ripe with talent. Um, And again, the NFC East, clearly the NFL's most important division. It's why BLG and I started the NFC East mixtape, which you can listen to on the blog and the boys podcast network or the Bleeding Green Nation podcast network, a true crossover event. Um, It's the division that's on national television more often than anything. And it's a division that has three picks in the top 12 this year. 
as usual, it might not always be the best division, but I find it one of the most interesting divisions in all of football, even if the teams aren't necessarily good like we saw last year when they were all putrid. Let's get into the NFC East, RJ, a little bit. What is? How do you see it? You cover a team in the NFC East for a living. How do you see the division? I think that, objectively speaking, the Cowboys are the favorites within the NFC East to win it this year, obviously. They have the best quarterback and Dak Prescott. You can make an argument that they have the best head coach. It's kind of a weird argument to make one way or the other. But look, whatever. I see you shaking your head, Stats. I'm not here for that. Whatever. Anyway, um, they have the best draft pick now that the Philadelphia Eagles traded out of the sixth overall pick. I think if you consider they have, they don't have the best roster. I think Washington has the best roster by far, but they do have the best quarterback, which puts you in the driver's seat, and they have the highest draft pick. And what's more, not only do they have the highest draft pick but they literally pick directly in front of the Giants who pick directly in front of the Eagles like these three picks will be tied to one another forever in the sense that like man this domino effect that domino effect we're living in a in an era with multiple timelines like that great episode of community the Washington football team is I, you know, maybe the true wild card. I mentioned they have the best roster. If they trade up, we're starting to hear a lot of you know chatter about picks seven and eight where Detroit and Carolina are sitting. If Justin Fields is falling because your favorite team was too stupid to draft him, <laughs> um, I mean, maybe they, it, that would terrify me if if Washington ended up with Justin Fields. So that's one of the things I want to ask you because that's sort of how I look at the division. I judge other teams' moves by how I react to them as a 49ers fan. So the, is that the thing that would scare you the most in this division that could happen on Thursday is that Washington somehow gets one of these quarterbacks and now it's like, ah, crap, we have to worry about that team? I wouldn't be as worried if it was Trey Lance, um, although I certainly believe in him, or if it was Mac Jones. So I know that that's a shot at the 49ers like in every sense. <laughs> Sorry about that. But uh, I would be really worried if it was Justin Fields because they they do feel like a roster that the right rookie quarterback can hit the ground running with them. And we've seen that team have success with a, a rookie quarterback like that with Kyle Shanahan in RG3. And so I'm, I'm not saying like that effect would happen, but that defense is so good. And I think if anything, they could have – not that their defense was great, but like a 2016 Cowboys year where Dak Prescott was like the right quarterback to kind of guide that ship. And they got really lucky defensively and they had a run game that could kind of stifle things. But I don't know, like Washington's culture, their football culture, I want to be specific, is on the up, right? Like Ron Rivera's, you know, got it acting like a real and professional program. Uh, they're courting free agents. If they land a quarterback, that would that is without question the worst possible fear. I think the second worst is maybe the Eagles getting some sort of godfather offer um, and picking up even more draft capital for the future, although that does seem impractical given that the Cowboys and Giants are right ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles have, look, honestly, like they have a lot of holes and they haven't necessarily shown – the most skill in the draft in terms of picking like blue chip players to build their team around. So I would be much more worried about Washington. I think Washington is on the upswing. Ron Rivera is an adult at head coach, which they haven't had there in years. They have a really good defense. And like you said, you throw a quarterback in there with scary Terry McLaurin and now Curtis Samuel there. They got the Ohio state connection at wide receiver. They are not like this, crap team. quarterback if that's Justin Fields that's the all Buckeye offense all the that's way that's true I didn't even think of that but like they are a I think they are a legitimate playoff contender in the NFC right now and you tell me they get Justin Fields I would say they're definitely competing for a playoff spot probably not the division title because I think Dak is just too good but it's not out of the question either frankly if you built an entire roster 
of like throughout the NFC East, Dak would be your quarterback. Like that's the easiest decision to make. Maybe you would have the Cowboys pass catching group. You'd have Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb. But other than that, like there's an argument to be made that it's really all Washington. Certainly all defensively, it's all Washington. Uh, their offensive line isn't bad and the Cowboys offensive line isn't what it was. Maybe that changes with the 10th overall pick. Um, but man, I mean, it's, it's not fun to consider um, that future i would I, I would love to watch them trade up for trey lance that would make me or, or mac jones that would make me feel like okay you know they're really gambling with their immediate short-term future and that's that's kind of what i want to see as a cowboys fan let's go to the giants now i think that a lot of giants fans say hey our roster is not as horribly barren as people like to think it is it is <laughs> <laughs> i think that a giants fan would tell you that they need better play out of Daniel Jones, yes. Saquon Barkley is going to be coming back. The defense is hopefully rounding into form a little bit. I think a Giants fan would tell you that a good draft this year can transform that team more than any other in the division. That's cool. That's wrong, but that's cool Like, <laughs> like that they feel that way. The Giants, to me, feel like, I, you, you know the stats, I play a lot of golf, and it feels like somebody whose short game is really bad, right? Like your short game or your scoring clubs, like your wedges and your putter, obviously. And it feels like somebody who's just so bad at that, like they blade it from one side of the green to the other, and they, they go to the driving range and say, I'm going to work on my driver. Like that has nothing to do with your problem. <laughs> like you're you're just like people love to say when it comes to golf, like you drive for show and you putt for dough. And like that's who the Giants are at this point. Like they're a team that's kind of done for show. BLG and I talked about this. I think Daniel Jones has a potentially solid future, but that whole offense's nucleus, and specifically because it's driven by Jason Garrett, revolves around a running back, which in general is a flawed philosophy, who's coming back from a huge injury. And so I I mean, they're limited in a number of different ways, and it's not all the town's fault. But uh, for that reason, I just don't buy into them. I I mean, BLG and I were talking about this. There is not a single team in the NFC outside of the Detroit Lions that I am willing to say is 100% going to be worse than the Giants in 2021. I think they could be among the worst teams in the conference when it's all said and done, no matter what happens in this draft. And they're in the worst spot that they're sandwiched between these two teams in the first round. I mean, they directly have to deal with whatever Dallas does. And then Philly, if Philly gets antsy, they might jump. We've heard them. We know Howie Roseman loves to do that. So New York could end up being the last team of this little cluster. Waited. That was a, a really polite way to just grind what I had said previously <laughs> into the dust. But that's okay. That's fine. You're the NFC East expert. I'm cool with that. Okay, so let's go to the last team that we haven't really talked about, and that's Philadelphia. They have a ton of draft capital. Um, they're seemingly all in on Jalen Hurts, at least for this year. What is their strategy going into this thing? Because I feel like if you don't know if you're all in on your quarterback one or two years from now, like what do you do in the draft? I was really hoping that Philly would sit at six and draft a quarterback and just kind of continue down this road of QB factoriness. But it, <laughs> it does feel like they, they are legitimately looking towards the future. So they're not a problem. Like we'll get our jokes off and we'll have fun with them this season. But whether Jalen Hurts is the quarterback or not in 2022 and beyond, they have a lot of draft capital. They could conceivably have three first round picks next year, more if they trade up. Cowboys fans are kind of split on which one of the corners they prefer, whether it's Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn. But it does feel like Philly could jump them and take one. And and maybe, you know, a lot of Cowboys fans kind of would like that opportunity just because it, it makes the decision easier, right? You can you can tell yourself, like, well, I didn't really want player X. Like, I really, really, really want a player Y. That's who we got. The Eagles are dumb, whatever. But I think they have enough ammunition to, if they really do prefer one player, whether it's microscopically or not, they can go get that guy. And I think that that's, 
I don't hate Howie Roseman like most Eagles fans do, but um, <laughs> that's being risky in the right way. And not every NFL team operates that way. I agree. Most Eagle fans do hate Howie Roseman, uh, which is crazy because the guy won them a Super Bowl, but that's fine. I think that Philly is going to have a fun draft because they don't know what's going on with Jalen Hurts. I think they're just going to look to get wide receivers. They'll look to get maybe a tight end because Zach Ertz is probably on his way out. He, he could get moved draft night. We have no idea. But I think they're going to have a, just a fun draft because they're going to get all the pieces other than quarterback. And then maybe next year is when they figure out, all right, is Hurts the guy or do we have to go a different direction? I would I expect them to go wide receiver in round one and get hopefully a guy that maybe falls a little bit, but there's a lot of good first-round receivers in this this year. I, I think Philly's going wide out first round. You mentioned, you know, they can have a lot of fun. To me, what it feels like is, um, you know, like when you're in college, you know, if, if you go to college, like away from your hometown, after the spring semester, you take your last final exam, but you're not planning on going home for like two or three days or whatever. And so like you have those days to just like hang out and it's wonderful. Like there's nothing, there's no pressure. There's no like assignments. There's no nothing. It's just chill. It's sit, it's play video games. If you want, like that's kind of how this draft is for the Eagles. And so in that sense, I'm a little bit envious of them, but Somebody I am not envious of stats is you uh, because I have uh, trashed really Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Uh, what seems like the two prospects that the 49ers are interested with the third overall pick. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, I conducted the interviews that we did to discuss the NFC South. Uh, we spoke to David Walker from the Falcoholic and Robert Schmitz from Windy City Gridiron. And I discussed the NFC North, which means that I have to interview you now to talk about the NFC West. So your interview begins now. The San Francisco 49ers have the third overall pick. They are either the most arrogant front office in the entire NFL or they are incredibly stupid. It is one of those two things right now, in my professional opinion. Defend that point. No, I think it's probably the former. Like, they <laughs> could be the most arrogant. It's not front office. It's Kyle Shanahan. It's his show. John Lynch is along for the ride. Adam Peters chimes in when he, you know when he can, but this is on Kyle Shanahan. Whoever they pick, it's his call. It's the first time he's really got to make his true call because the Jimmy Garoppolo thing fell into his lap. So don't blame anybody else. There's one guy that gets the all-blame pie, and that's Kyle Shanahan. You and I have disagreed about Kyle Shanahan. You have a lot of faith in him, and there's reason to have faith. But this is, in, in a lot of senses, I respect, like, okay, this is like this is the hill I'm going to die on, right? Like, this is either going to work or it's not, and I'm putting all my eggs in that basket. However, uh, Pete and I talked about this on Monday, Football Monday. I think you would agree that literally the only spot that Mac Jones can go in if he goes in the top half of the draft of the first round is literally to San Francisco. So it's kind of astounding that he is either going number three specifically to the 49ers or not at all in the top half. I mean, that's just a lot of hubris, dude. That's the thing that is surprising to me, that if the 49ers don't take him, then nobody else wants him. That If he gets chosen, to me what it says is Kyle Shanahan says – screw everybody we were right about Kirk Cousins when we took Kirk Cousins in the RG3 draft and we're going to be right about this guy too my system is that good I just need a guy to stay on the field and execute my plays and we'll be good you could argue that if he had that in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs the 49ers would have won Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't execute and the 49ers lost that game so if Mac is chosen that is what Kyle Shanahan is telling you I am not 100 percent saying that Mac is going to be the choice. I don't know who the choice is going to be. And by the way, I don't think anybody else does either. 
But if that's the choice that if Mac is the guy, that's what Kyle's telling you. If it's not, then Kyle's telling you, hey, I recognize that I need a guy to make plays outside of structure, that sometimes other people don't do their job. And so my play can't work the way it's supposed to function. And that would be what he would be telling you if it were Fields or Lance, is that he sees the flaw in his initial argument. I have a series of just questions I want yes or no to. All right. Um, Number one. So, again, specifically, yes or no. Do you agree that if Mac Jones goes in the top half of the first round, it's only to the 49ers? Yes, I agree. Okay. Number two. Why? Sure. This isn't a yes or no question. So I suck. But (laughs) but so assuming that's the case. Why shouldn't every other NFC West team feel like the 49ers are complete idiots for giving up all this draft capital when they could have just taken him with their original first round pick? Well, look, why go? I mean, maybe paranoia is the answer to that. But if if we agree that he is only going to go to the San Francisco 49ers, the third overall pick, they could have just sat and held on to their other capital. They could have. But it, ultimately, it doesn't matter if the 49ers make the right <laughs> choice. Yeah, I agree that maybe he would have still been there. But if he busts, then yeah, that's like a double whammy. It's like two shots in the gut, right? Because he's not any good and you gave up a bunch to get him. But if he's good, it doesn't matter. All that other stuff is erased. And so for the other NFC West teams, I think the fear is, even though they might be dumb for getting him, if he's right, we're screwed. My argument to that would be, say it is Mac Jones, and he turns into something legitimate, right? Fast forward two years into the process, and now you're coming up into his third year, his final year before he's eligible for a contract extension. You're saying he doesn't have X, right? Like what whatever is missing on the roster, man, that 2022 first round pick would have gone a long way at helping this. And what's more is that player would be on a cheap rookie contract right now. Now we're having to pay Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk or whatever the case may be. So like, it doesn't matter if they win three Super Bowls or whatever. You're right, but it does matter. And like, those are the decisions that like, ultimately, this is this is a significant Jenga piece that is being taken out of the tower. And it's in the middle, so you can't really see it, but it's part of the future foundation that's gone now. That's the cost of giving up all that capital to acquire who this pick is. If he's just okay, it really hurts. It really <laughs> bites you because the thinking is, this guy is going to be so good. Our first round picks are going to be so low. He has to to live up to that cost. He's got to be Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger type of guy. Because like you said, if he's not, if you get to that third year and you're kind of like, mm, I guess we'll pick up the option. I don't you're know. You're Jimmy Garoppolo. You're kind of behind the eight ball a little bit. So I, look, the pressure is clearly on. As anyone that trades up for a quarterback knows, this is no different than that. And, you know, they're up on the tightrope without a net. That's for sure. So, okay, let's move on. Uh, Outside of the 49ers completely botching this and ruining your life and every sector of your life that you take pride and joy in, uh, outside of your family, what is your biggest fear? And I feel like that's, this is, I've been asking everybody this question, so spoiler alert for our future interviews. This You're the easiest person to ask this to because I don't know that there really is one, given that the Los Angeles Rams don't have a first round pick forever. Um, and (laughs) And the Seattle Seahawks are their own mess. But like, so is your biggest fear the Cardinals like playing somebody substantial? Like what, what's your biggest fear? My biggest fear is that Kyle Shanahan chooses the yellow starburst. It's that the 49ers screw this up. Like I love those. Here's the thing. Like it's a yellow starburst. It's it's a starburst. It's okay. But when you've got a red 
starburst and a pink starburst there in Justin Fields and Mac Jones, uh, and Mac Jones and Trey Lance, you can't pick the yellow starburst. That the yellow starburst is when you have no other candy to eat, and that's the only thing that's left. That's honestly my biggest fear. The Rams are already good. Like, I don't think anybody that they pick in this draft is going to make them substantially better. The same thing with the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, I suppose with Seattle, it would be that they actually pick somebody that can rush the passer. That's not a safety because that's really where Seattle, I mean, they have nothing to rush the passer right now. Sorry, Kerry Hyder. You were in San Francisco last year. You're not that great. You were relying on Alden Smith. And unfortunately for him, he's already in trouble. So that's my biggest fear is the Niners screw this up because the other teams in the division, don't even get me started on the Cardinals. They don't scare me. I mean, the question was, what's your greatest non-49ers related fear? So shout out to you for making it all about the 49ers. And it, it that's because it is about them. Like they dominate this draft as far as the NFC West is concerned. Stats on Monday, Kyle Shanahan said, we could have sat there at 12 and waited which one came to us if one did. But we made a decision that we felt we needed to get a starting QB. Starting we wa- QB. We wanted to dictate it. We'll get the one that we feel is best for us. Also, on Monday morning, there were reports that the 49ers made the trade with the intention of drafting Mac Jones, but in the process of all this, have found themselves wooed and courted by the idea of Trey Lance. I know that there's a lot of the 49ers have a lot of media speak because of the relationships that their coach and general manager have with the media, but I feel like they're wearing out their welcome a little bit. Like people are now starting to get annoyed with them. And like, (laughs) no, but like that's a factor because because of the way they've acted about all this, they have exacerbated the pressure that is on this player that they're going to pick. They, They have themselves really upped the heat of the spotlight to the point that Right now, even I asked you, what's your greatest non, uh, non-49ers fear within the division? It's impossible to answer that question because of everything the 49ers have done. And whether that be for their own humor, out of their own arrogance, or purely out of accidental reasons, they have done that. They have they have made this bet, and now they have to lie in it. The ultimate winner of the 49ers trade up to three is Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Because nobody has more pressure mm. on them that's going to be taken on Thursday night than whoever the 49ers pick at three. Because let me tell you, as soon as they make that pick, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be shipped out of town. They are going to be the starter, and the spotlight is going to be on them. And it's partly because of what the Niners gave up, like you said, and it's partly because of their comments and and where they are as a franchise in this regime. The pressure is on number three big time. All right, Stats, my last one for you with regards to the NFC West. Your answer cannot be the 49ers because we've talked about that enough. Okay. Which team can change the most? We've seen particular drafts. I mentioned the 2016 Cowboys earlier. Which team can really change the most if they hit the right type of draft? I feel like the answer is not the Rams. I feel like the answer is the Seahawks. I feel like the answer is the Cardinals because the Seahawks are good now and the Rams are good now. And I think they're going to be really good with Matthew Stafford. You know, the Cardinals were a Hail Mary from being under 500 last year. There's a lot of work to do on that team on both sides of the ball, frankly. And I think you could argue maybe more on the offensive side of the ball than the defensive side. But I think there's more room to grow. You know, people say it's easier to go from like five wins to nine or 10 than it is to go from nine or 10 to 12 or 13, if that makes sense. And so there's just more room for Arizona to grow. So if they can get, you know, another really good wide receiver, they need, they really need help in the secondary. A lot of their secondary are free agents right now. I know they got Malcolm Butler there, but that's okay. You need more than that. So if they can get a hit on a couple of these picks and get these key pieces, I think they could make that jump to 500, around 500, into 10, 11, 12 wins. 
Well, Stats, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait to hear for, um, well, I can't wait to hear your your exact reaction when the 49ers take Mac Jones, the third overall pick. Of course, at Niners Nation, where you and KP and all the staff do such a great job. Uh, enough with the NFC West. Enough with the NFC East. NFC West, East, West. Uh, it is time to hear about the North and South. Where do you want to go first, Stats? I'll let you control. The North remembers. Let's go there. Sweet. Coming up next, we have Robert Schmitz from Windy City Gridiron to talk about the NFC North, a.k.a. Aaron Rodgers' house. Pleased to be joined now here on the SB Nation NFL show by the one, the only, the internationally famous. You hear him all over the world, all over the universe. Uh, perhaps the Falcon, perhaps the Winter Soldier. Either way, you can find him over at Windy City Gridiron, SB Nation's home for Chicago Bears coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. It is the one and only Robert Schmitz. Robert, how goes it? It goes well. It's Friday. We are six days away from the draft, and I couldn't be more excited. whole bunch of teams in the league are about to get that little bit better, and as you know, nobody loses in May. So hope abounds, and I can't wait. Uh, we are very excited. Um, I think, well, I'm very excited right now. Normally, uh, when I record, you might have heard him right there. My dog likes to bark. His name is Bear. Um, and so, uh, not named after the Chicago Bears, but kind of his two team, you know, for obvious reasons. Understandable. Obviously, you cover the Chicago Bears. We're here today to talk about the entire NFC North. The Bears hold the 20th overall pick. Uh, a prime candidate, I think, to trade up to 10 overall where the Dallas Cowboys sit, uh, which is a lot of uh, has a lot of interest there. But the Detroit Lions at seven overall, the Minnesota Vikings at 14. And of course, the Green Bay Packers, the worst team in the world at 29 overall. Um, your first thoughts just kind of going into the week about uh, what you want to see, what you hope to see, what you're scared to see, et cetera. So obviously what I hope to see is Justin Fields or Trey Lance slide down the board. I'm sure you've done the mental math that I have that it might help the Cowboys out to trade back to 20 and get like a future first round pick, an extra third round pick. But it takes a quarterback to do that. And as much as I'd love to talk myself into, oh, Miami's not going to take a quarterback. Right. And why would Atlanta take a quarterback? And Detroit doesn't need a quarterback. I mean, come on. This is the NFL draft with five, four, four surefire first rounders, five if you count Mac Jones, which you probably should. I mean, he is more than likely going to be a first rounder, if not a top 10 pick. So we'll have to see when it comes to the Bears front. They are so far down the order that they've really got to sell somebody on, hey, our, we got a tough schedule next year. You could end up picking one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. But I mean, if you're selling that you're not really displaying much confidence in yourself either but i digress the bears should be able to get a little bit better as will the rest of the nfc north but if anything and i'm sure you've seen this the goofy part about the nfc north is that there hasn't been much movement the mm-hmm. vikings signed xavier xavier woods the safety former cowboy yeah former cowboy very solid safety but outside of that they mostly just re-signed their own and filled up depth the packers are going to be the class of division for as long as aaron Rodgers starts and if you don't like that well too bad i mean He's he's 35, 36 and still trucking on. The Bears are probably going to fade from that second spot in the division. You never know. I'm sure, or I do think they got incrementally better with Andy Dalton, but I agree. Hey, when you, when you are starting one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, like one of those bottom five, bottom eight quarterbacks, it's always going to be tough. And with the schedule they've got next year, I don't know if you've looked at it. It's a nightmare. And then the, the Lions. Honest to goodness, I can't tell whether they're deliberately trying to hit the bottom, but they traded for or they traded their one of their best players away in Matthew Stafford, got Jared Goff. And I don't remember much at this moment about their free agent signings, but that downgrade enough is quite a lot. So with the change of staff, I don't expect the Lions to be 
crazy good, but that's what the number seven pick in the draft is for. So we'll have to see what they do, you know? The answer to this might be the Bears and the quarterback situation. Obviously, Andy Dalton on the SB Nation NFL show Airwaves, Robert, I've maintained that I don't think it was a move worth killing the way a lot of people did. I think the Bears incited the mob a little bit with the, you know, social media stuff, but it's a whole different thing. But that being said, is is quarterback for the Bears the the biggest need that any team has in the division (laughs) entering the draft? I mean, or or is it somewhere else? I mean, that feels like the (laughs) obvious choice. It has to be, right? I mean, the trouble is, is that the, so the Bears, for instance, they have Roquan Smith, they have an incredibly, or at least getting incredibly old Danny Trevathan and Lions Christian Jones at linebacker. So if you don't think Jones is a starter, you could say the Bears have a massive hole at inside linebacker too. Or for instance, the safety next to Eddie Jackson at the moment, it's backup Dion Bush. But does any of that matter? Like the quarterback matters? Right. And I agree with you. I think everybody, honest to goodness, I do think that Chicago right now is just angry i mean i tend to consider myself a more positive guy i'm going to give nick Foles a shot for instance and not just kill the guy on impact and hey if things disappoint like they did so be it it's just football but as much as that i know that bears fans a lot of them really like mitchell trubisky and certainly mitchell trubisky didn't do anything to really anger bears fans on a personal level so a lot of people just don't know where to put their their frustration Mm -hmm. right same head coach it's the same gm and it's a modestly different quarterback that in theory we could have had last year if we were patient right so i get the frustration i don't think it has anything to actually do with andy's play for instance i do think he's a little bit better but I, I think quarterback will always remain the biggest need in Chicago if until it isn't, if only because it's quickly getting just flat out famous that the Bears don't have a quarterback. And when people think the NFC North in Chicago, they think that's the team that can't get a signal caller, right? And unfortunately, that's the case. Tough times, certainly uh, for Bears fans. It, it will be interesting. I think it'd be amazing if um, if they might Glenn and Dandy Dalton, right? Like, you're the guy. You're the right. one. Show up. <laughs> and then, you know, here's here's whatever we do if they do trade up to 10 overall. That would, and it would be incredibly ironic if they did it with the Cowboys, Andy's former team. Who would you say um, of all four teams, and we mentioned where their positions are in the first round, is most likely to move? And that could be up or down. Um, you know, I, I think the Packers are certainly a team that, you know, Obviously, you know, moved out with the New Orleans Saints a couple of years ago in the Marcus Davenport trade. Um, Mm -hmm. The Lions are so hard to predict. I mean, again, the purpose of today is to to discuss the NFC North, but maybe the answer is Chicago. Well, so it's complicated, right? Because it all depends on how the board falls. Rick Spielman with the Vikings is always willing to move down for the right price, but I believe they drafted like 17. That's just not that popular a number. So I tend to doubt they're going to be moving. Another question is what the Packers are going to do, given that they just re-signed Aaron Jones. I don't know where you stand on the running back value debate, but generally if you sign a running back for as big money as they signed Aaron Jones, you are committing to a short window which the Jordan Love pick says, no, they're not. But paying Aaron Jones that much money alongside Aaron Rodgers, alongside the offensive line that they have, things could get tight. So maybe they trade up for Tevin Jenkins or an offensive tackle of that ilk to try to make sure that they don't miss miss out on that like top four, top five offensive tackles before you get to the Dylan Reddins, the right. uh, Mayfields, the good players, but but not Tevin Jenkins. Another, But I do think that honestly the obvious choice is if the guy is there, 
the Bears are going to force a quarterback pick. Like, if they can get to number eight, if they can get to number nine, I don't think the Lions want to do business with them. And so I don't expect them to, but like 10 with the Cowboys, it would take nothing short of a miracle for Justin Fields to fall to, say, 10, but the Bears would do the deal immediately if they get that chance. The question is, what do they think of Mac Jones? I don't know. Maybe the Bears would trade up for Mac Jones. Maybe the Cowboys will be doing business with, say, the Patriots. I can't tell you because Mac Jones is eval, as I'm sure you know. The guy's been mocked at number three. The guy's been mocked in the second round, like way before the season started. That is one of the murkiest evals in football right now. I do think the Bears will force a quarterback choice in round two, which I don't think I'm super excited about, (laughs) given that that's like dropping right down to Davis Mills or Kellen Mond. And I'm not sure those guys are true second rounders, but five quarterbacks go and everybody else gets ants in their pants. But when it comes to moving up, the Bears are the one that like speaking very candidly, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat starting around pick number three. Because whoever San Francisco picks makes a big deal there. I think the Packers are that sneaky choice to move up. And maybe the Lions will move back. Because if Trey Lance is sitting there at number seven, that's potential. But Dan Campbell also seems like the kind of guy that probably has four players on his board that aren't quarterbacks and wants one of them. So I don't know. (laughs) It's hard to read that new staff. I think it's so interesting. Maybe this doesn't make sense outside of, you know, the Chicago sports nucleus, but I think people are looking for a reason to like the Bears and Justin Fields would kind of offer that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it would, it would really be, and like, and Russell, like the idea of Russell Wilson, I think offered that yeah. a little bit. Um, but you're right. It, it, it would be very ironic because Kellen Mond feels like the pick, right? Like they're just, and then they're going to tell everybody they had a first round grade on him and, yep. and try to spin it that way. It would feel again, ironically, uh, very 2011 Bengals drafting Andy Dalton of all people. The Bears are in such a tough spot because Washington right ahead of them. If I don't think Justin Fields falls that far, but if Mac Jones falls that far, whatever, the Bears are going to get sniped the, uh, the pick right before them. Uh, Robert, so looking at this, um, we know that draft classes can can be very impactful in the first year. Who would you say is, you know, who, who could, could potentially um, have their season impacted the most if they hit on a really solid draft class? And obviously, you know, you're not going to walk away with seven starters, seven all pros, but um, but legitimate contribution who do you think is is that close that that the draft class could kind of take them over the edge so given how many picks they like to stockpile the answer is the vikings until they finally have that hammer nail draft class that what was it 2017 saints draft class right like when when they finally hit all of their marks and every pick starts to contribute at the way that justin jefferson did the vikings are going to be an extraordinarily fearsome team the trouble is is that like most teams in the NFL, they're only hitting on about 50% of them. And some of the what looks like a home run starts to fade. And I've sometimes thought those draft picks can be the hardest to deal with. Because what do you do with Anthony Barr when he mm-hmm. has his best seasons in his first two years? And then it's time to resign him. And he's been he's been good, not not incredible. So what kind of money do you give him? But either way, the trouble with the Vikings has always been that they seem that one star short almost like i i like to think because you know we were young we grew up with men and i always like to think that uh that they're right at that threshold of being really good but they have just always sat there during the Kirk cousins era and i'm not the kind of guy who's going to tell you it's all Kirk cousins's fault but i do think that if they nail the draft class they're in contention i don't feel like it's fair to say the packers because they have aaron Rodgers. so who's they could probably draft nobody and be 
perfectly decent when it comes to football. The Bears, even if they got, honestly, even if they got Trevor Lawrence, I just don't think the team is in position enough to contribute. And a lot of Bears fans may disagree with that, but think about the cost they have to pay to get up there. They don't really have a starting right tackle. They don't have a slot wide receiver. Their wide receiver two is Darnell Mooney, who I really like, but now you've got two wide receivers that you like. And in the NFL, I mean, the Cowboys are the banner example of just how many pass catchers you need to really drive an offense. You still need a quarterback and offensive line at that point. So with an aging defense that's falling apart, I don't know if the Bears are ready yet. I think that they're about two years away regardless. And come on, the Lions aren't competing. I mean, if if they compete, that will just blow my mind. I agree with you. I think the Vikings are the answer, especially like sometimes, you know, obviously it would, it would behoove them to have their draft class this year hit. But their draft class last year, people were so excited about all the DBs they walked away with. And it just was kind of a mess. And so if, if things kind of materialize in year two, then you're talking about like everything kind of working together. But I do agree. I'm higher on Kirk Cousins than most, but it, it the their whole like aura is this like, you ever like have a great dinner where like you loved all the sides, right? Like the baked potato was yes. amazing. And like yes. the, the asparagus was so good mm-hmm. and everything. And even like the, the bread was super awesome, but like the protein was just flat. You know what I mean? And like, that's the star of the dish. That's the Vikings problem. As a Dallas Cowboys fan, can I make the assumption that you're from Dallas? Uh, not originally, but I mean, I am from the Lone Star State. Well, Dallas, so. I am from Dallas and have grown up all my life in Dallas. Different story. But the point is, that means you eat a lot of bad steak because there's <laughs> so much steak in Dallas, Texas, that you will eat a lot of mediocre steak and be like, I like the mashed potatoes. Cream corn is great. And that kind of is Vikings, isn't it? The scariest part for the Vikings is that I feel like we've always talked, or like a lot of football fans, you need a top 12 quarterback. And you do, but the scary part is is that if your guy isn't that top six quarterback, I mean Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, the obvious choices, oh, you need a really good team around him. And the Vikings have always been, I feel like, maybe three good players short of that really good team. Take their defensive backs as an example. Last year, you don't have corners, you don't have a winning football team. And you can beat the Packers in the middle of the season. You can have a stretch of games where you look really, really good, but they have always just been about a dollar short. And if they nail that draft class, they won't be. But until then, Kirk is not going to cover their warts that they have. He's not going to be the guy who scores 45 points and wins you games. Kind of, I I think of him very similar to Derek Carr, very different systems. Like Derek's much more West Coast, uh, whereas Kirk Cousins is deadly on play action. But in that same vein, they can be really good when able to play their game. Just don't ask him not to. <laughs> it's hard to disagree with. Uh, last one for you, Robert. And and this answer can include the Bears, like potentially botching it. But what's your worst fear entering the draft? Um, <laughs> is it is it, you know, is it the Vikings? I, I can't imagine there's something the Vikings that would do that would like petrify you. And there's certainly not something that this is a really unique division and that like the Lions can't really do anything that would petrify you either. Maybe, maybe the answer is the Lions trading out and picking up even more future draft capital. I don't know. But what's your what's your worst fear? Um, like the moment in Coach Carter uh, where that, that one player is like our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Like this is your moment. Oh, yeah. Like that. The scary thing is here you're asking a Bears fan. So the number <laughs> one thing that I have to say every single time biggest fear is that the Packers nail some late round draft picks and just stick around because they have had their time in the sun for so long with Aaron Rodgers and beat us twice a year quite handily reminding us our place it really is vicious I mean 
to, to give you an example, I was with a bunch of Dallas fans in that age-old playoff game that I know engendered a lot of hate from Dallas fans towards Green Bay, and it just didn't shock me because he does that every time to us, anytime it's close anyways. So the Packers hitting on, especially some late-round defensive backs. I know they have Kevin King re-signed, but if they can shore up that secondary as secondary becomes ever more important across the NFL, that defensive line, which, look, it looked a little worse uh, in 2020 than it did in 2019, but Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, you can't go wrong. Um, so it's always going to be the Packers being good. But like you talked about, if the Lions get that just Midas gold touch haul for a Justin Fields or especially Trey Lance, if uh, if, say, Mac Jones or Justin Fields end up the pick at number three and display that they're willing to be forward thinking and to slide back a little bit and get a huge haul, that's going to freak me out because the Lions are good. I know who's probably going to be the worst of the division, and I don't want to admit it. I mean, the Lions have been that team. I, I like to think for Dallas over the last 10 years, it's been the Giants, where sure. the Giants are that nice way you can be like, well, thanks, Dave. You really make me feel fine about my football team. Like, thank you, New York, for yeah. helping helping me get through this. And the Lions really have been the Bears fan, or a Bears fans place to go console themselves. We beat them twice a year. Lions fans had this like we own the Bears hashtag, and Mitchell Trubisky only lost one game to him in his entire career. But if they get good, that's going to be really sad because the Vikings <laughs> will always be at worst okay, and the Packers are going to be good till they're not. And if the Lions get good, the onus is on the Bears, who, as you may know, may be riding a like a lame duck head coach and GM situation, which begs a lot of questions. So I would love to see a positive outcome for Chicago, but it's going to take a little bit of luck. And the Bears don't tend to get lucky. This is a really interesting perspective that uh, that your greatest fear is that you'll get lapped for third. You're talking to a Bears fan. That's a, <laughs> a, a really great way to put it. Uh, Robert, thanks so much for the time. Uh, everybody, you can check out Robert and all the great team over at Windy City Gridiron. Uh, Robert's always hustling and bustling over there. Uh, he's on YouTube as well, on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. Um, hope you enjoy the draft, man. Hope you enjoy. Hope it's not like your deepest, darkest insecurities. Uh, just, you know, cook something I'm good. Ready for anything, right? Yeah, cook something good, <laughs> sit back, relax, and uh, and and just, just, just wait. You know, let's see what happens. It's going to be a good time. But, man, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks so much for having me. Pleased to be joined now here on the SB Nation NFL show by the one, the only, the internationally famous. You know him, of <laughs> course, from SB Nation's The Falcoholic, SB Nation's home for Atlanta Falcons content. You can find him on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Makes it nice and easy for you. The one and only David Walker. Dave, how goes it? Going good, RJ. Good to be with you. What's it like having the fourth overall pick for your favorite team? It's weird. It's been a long time. Uh, 2008 was the last time Falcons had a pick uh, this high. And of course, that was the year they took Matt Ryan. Right now, it's, it's I think, people take for granted uh, when you have had a 13-year gap between top five picks. That's that's a good position to be in. Um, and it's made it really, really interesting. Sure. And I bet that that's, uh, that's a big-time argument for this position, this player, whatever, because, hey, it was 13 years ago. If it's going to be 13 years again, we want to make sure we get this right. Um, so while you can, of course, uh, hear David's coverage, fantastic coverage all over the Falcoholic today, you have to be 
I don't know. This is a really difficult division to ask anybody to be impartial on um, just because <laughs> it's it's the division uh, of ultra pettiness. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFC South here today. Uh, I mentioned the Falcons have the fourth overall pick, the Carolina Panthers at eight overall, the New Orleans Saints 28th overall, and of course the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who won the Super Bowl hold the 32nd overall pick in the first round. Um, so Dave, I want to get started with this. Um, what team in the division? Again, you can you could pick the Falcons if you want, but you know. It's up to you. Uh, what team in the division has the biggest need and what is it? Ooh, that's uh, that's a really good one. You know, I, I think ultimately, you know, it's about quarterback, right? This if you don't have a quarterback, you're, you're looking for one. And say what you want about Matt Ryan. Uh, I still think he's got several years left of, of quality play in the NFL. Uh, so the Falcons don't desperately need that position. You know, the Panthers, uh, it looks like they're in on Sam Darnold right now. So to me, it's the Saints. It's the Saints with the quarterback situation. They lost a Hall of Famer in Drew Brees. Uh, we saw what Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston could do last year. Uh, you know, in, in, in spots, they're decent, but you have to think that they are now thinking about what the long term uh, looks like for them at that position. And even though, like you mentioned, they're sort of on the back end of the draft because they still made the playoffs. I have to think that they're the team that has the biggest need because they still have a lot of question marks at quarterback. Yeah, I wonder if, um, you know, we've been hearing a lot, you know, how about like Kellen Mond has his stock rising. Like, I wonder mm -hmm. if, you know, I think sometimes we see a combination of of a team that's a little bit desperate and a quarterback who's really rising. And this is not a fair example to this quarterback, but like Teddy Bridgewater and the Vikings uh, in 2014 kind of thing, you know, like just, just the right combination of factors. Um, I don't know that this would land well with anybody else. Um, maybe it would <laughs> land well with you, but I, I mean, to the, the discussion here is if you have to take any team's quarterback situation as it actively sits entering the draft for the next five years, would it not be Atlanta's? I mean, like, I, I, I don't want to be like the latest person to doubt Tom Brady, but I mean, again, if, if, if you were a betting man, I mean, I feel like Atlanta does have the, you know, in a sneaky way, the most coveted quarterback situation in the whole division. Uh, I, I think so, because, you know, Tom Brady has been amazing. Obviously, I don't want to take anything away from him as a Falcons fan. I want to take everything away from him. <laughs> but uh, as a player, he's obviously been clearly one of the best. But father time is undefeated. It will eventually get him. And you have to think that that's going to happen sooner rather than later. We saw it happen with Drew Brees. Uh, and honestly, you know, Sam Darnold, big question mark there. It, mm -hmm. it obviously didn't work out with the Jets. You know, the Panthers obviously think they can do a lot more with him or else they wouldn't have made that trade. But yeah, I, I think Matt Ryan will be 36 this year. Um, if you use 40 years old as the benchmark, that's four more seasons before he hits that 40, 40 year old wall. And he has actually been remarkably healthy. He takes really good care of himself. He's not like a Ben Roethlisberger who uh, has never missed a meal in his life. Uh, you know, Ryan has stayed remarkably healthy. So yeah, I, I think if you, told a team they could have good quality quarterback play for four years. Um, there are a lot of teams in this league that are desperate just for one or two good years at this point. Yeah, I think that's well said. All right. So um, again, you can, I would honestly argue the answer might be Atlanta here. Um, which team would you say is most likely to move up or down? So, you know, and we're talking the first round specifically here. Um, maybe the argument is New Orleans for a quarterback. Maybe the argument is Carolina if they're particularly in love or if they want to bail. Uh, but I don't know. You, you tell me. I think it may be New Orleans. As you mentioned, this may be the first draft where we have four straight quarterbacks come off the board. 
And that is only going to lift the value for those second tier guys, you know, the, the Mons and the Kyle Trask. Right. And you can see how, you know, a New England, a Washington, uh, you know, the Bears, unless you're really a big believer in Andy Dalton, uh, they may be in on one of these second tier guys. And if uh, the Saints want to get one of these second tier guys, um, I think they're going to have to be you know, aggressive about moving up. They did it a few years ago for uh, you know, Marcus Davenport. You know, they gave away a future first to go up and grab what they thought was going to be a pass rusher. How much more so would they be willing to move up and, and get the successor to Drew Brees in their mind? Um, I think for the Falcons, it, it actually is going to be a little bit harder to trade down than people think. We're hearing now that they don't want to move outside the top 10, which really leaves you know, sort of Denver as the only potential trade partner inside the top 10 that may want that quarterback at number four. Um, and I'm not sure that the draft capital they're willing to give up is going to be in, enough to move up. So actually, I think the Saints may be more likely than the Falcons to make a move in this draft class. That's interesting. You mentioned the Marcus Davenport uh trade up and at the time you know just kind of like going back to that moment when they traded up everybody thought it was for Lamar Jackson right um and so that you know you just just to kind of play what if uh certainly fun to think about what what things would look like especially uh in the wake of Drew Brees' retirement so I guess then you you don't you maybe don't buy that Atlanta is going to move out of, of the fourth overall pick I mean because I'm sure you know I'm confident that you've had that this discussion a number oh, of yeah. different ways Kyle Pitts uh, quarterback X, the fourth quarterback off the border trading out. And I think that that would be most people's answer that if anyone was likely to bail on their spot in either direction, that it would be the Falcons moving out because somebody, to your point, one of these other teams doesn't want to wait for the, the secondary market at, at the quarterback position with this particular draft. They want to go get one of those top guys. Yeah, absolutely. And and we have 100% had that conversation. I, I think the thing is, it, it always comes down to the the compensation. And right now, you know, I, I don't know that Denver is going to be aggressive enough. They may think that uh, if Mac Jones goes at three and you've got both Trey Lance and Justin Fields available at four, they may feel like one of those guys is going to fall to them anyways. And or they can make a shorter move after they see what Atlanta does. Uh, so then you're you're moving to sort of the, the teams like uh, New England at 15 and, and Washington at 19. And honestly, that big of a move to go from the middle of the draft to the to number four that's going to take a lot of draft composition. That's going to include at least a future first. Um, and it really is going to come down to, is it going to be enough to move the Falcons out of that position? And that's where I'm, I'm not as convinced anymore that uh, Fontenot is going to want to drop down that far unless he can get uh, several future first round picks in exchange for it. And, and I don't know that those teams are going to be willing to pay that. So that's interesting. And I think that that's, that's a fair argument in that sense. As a Falcons fan, this is, I know we're talking about the whole division, but uh, with regards to, you know, establishing the the best possible range of outcomes for Atlanta specifically, who do you hope San Francisco takes at three then? Is it Mac Jones? I think, yeah, uh, I would love it if they took Mac Jones um, because honestly, I, I think it would be the wrong move. Uh, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think that would be the wrong move. Uh, and if you've got the option of Justin Fields and Trey Lance there at four, I think it it does open up the potential for a team to give up a ton of draft capital to get one of those guys. Um, so I, I do think that's the best case scenario for the Falcons. I'm not convinced it's going to happen. I'm still not convinced that Mac Jones is the guy at three, uh, which is honestly, it's why we watch the draft. This stuff is just so much fun. Right. So um, this is a sore subject for you specifically, I would imagine. But 
much has been made over the last few years about the New Orleans Saints draft class of 2017 um, mm-hmm. and obviously how special it was from top to bottom. And you know, there's a lot of data to support that and obviously how competitive they've been. Um, I've heard people, I don't know if you have like referred to this as like a, not I, like there's, there's a word for this. I don't know what it would be, but like a dynasty that doesn't have any championships, but like they've had high levels of success, obviously without, you know, the ultimate range of it. But nevertheless, uh, the point being um, a, a simple draft class. And I can tell you this, obviously, as a Dallas Cowboys fan can really change the fortunes of a team. You look like the 2016 Cowboys class with Dak and Zeke and, and mm-hmm. whatever. But um, so that being said, what team do you think could, could be most impacted in 2021 specifically by just dominating the draft this year? Like who, who's most positioned to kind of have this be the Nas boost to their overall vehicle? I still think it would be the Falcons. If we're talking about the NC South, they, uh, if you look at the offense last year, they've got obviously a lot of really good players. Um, and I don't think you'll find a Falcons fan that will argue that Dirk Cutter as the offensive coordinator uh, just did a terrible job of using the talent on the field. Um, considering you get a substantial upgrade just from offensive play calling, you add some key pieces into that offense. If you did add someone like a Kyle Pitts, who now you have on the field with Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones for you know his last year or two in Atlanta, that's terrifying. If you're a defensive coordinator, you're waking up with uh, cold sweats thinking about trying to defend those three guys on the field at the same time. Um, and that, honestly, you know, the NFL is now geared towards offenses. If you want to win consistently, you have to have uh, an offense that is in the top five, the top seven. And I think that's where Atlanta can make a massive turnaround in one year with mostly the same personnel and in one or two key pieces. You know, put someone on the offensive line, that left guard to, to shore up the middle. Um, you may be looking at the offense that uh, is, you know, back to top five for the Falcons. And that, again, for me, that is where you see the biggest differences. You see teams with fantastic defenses that finish, fi- you know, finish at 500. Um, but the teams with those high firepower offenses almost always uh, make it to the playoffs. I don't know that I really thought this before you started answering, but you've kind of convinced me a little bit, um, specifically in that what new Orleans and Carolina need is, is so difficult to, to land in, in a first year, you know, even if you're picking near the top of the draft, which, you know, Carolina is close, but um, in Tampa, I mean, it's, it's sort of like, if if we're talking the name of improvement, like it's so difficult to improve from where they already were. And even, even offensively, like there's nothing they could do that would really, you know, that they're, they're missing on offense. So Atlanta is an interesting answer in that respect. Um, Who's furthest away? then like for, from from improvement with it with it is it Carol? i feel like it has to be carolina I, I think it is carolina you know unless you really think sam darnold uh is the future um and i i think there's just way too many question marks you know the jets didn't do him any favors but uh, has he really shown us anything in two years that makes us think that he's ready to be a guy that carries that franchise i don't think so um and honestly you know w- when they get christian caffrey back obviously he is a huge weapon on offense but even when he was healthy uh they were still struggling without good quarterback play. So again, I I still think it comes down to who has quarterbacks and who's looking for them Uh, and say what you will about, you know, looking for the future of Matt Ryan. I I still think right now in the NFC South outside of Tom Brady, um, he's the most sure thing you've got. That's well said. I've been kind of 
sort of secretly um, like regretting that Kyle Pitts went to Florida just because like I think that would be the most fun pick for the Falcons. Like if he'd <laughs> gone to Penn State or something, I feel like we could more like accurately refer to them as like the Atlanta Falcons and the Winter Soldier, like somebody who like has has like a history in like a colder environment. Uh, but since he's from Florida, like it really doesn't fit. And so it's disappointing. Uh, Missed and, opportunity. Right, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, really, maybe he's undraftable for that particular reason. But uh, OK, Dave, last one for you. And we save this one because, um, frankly, it tests uh, it tests your brain, tests your spirit, tests your confidence, oh I would suppose. Uh, but as somebody who obviously covers a team in this division in the Atlanta Falcons, what's your worst fear? entering the draft and and obviously you can go at this from a saints perspective a panthers perspective a, a buccaneers perspective or because it is the falcons i guess a falcons perspective <laughs> um but so what's your greatest fear entering the draft well it it's always about the quarterbacks my biggest fear is that a team like the saints our hated rival as a falcons fan i've hated them for decades is that they managed to move up enough to grab a quality quarterback mm. um you know, that's and honestly, you know, we talked about the Marcus Davenport trade. Every Falcons fan was convinced they were moving up uh, to grab a quarterback. And when they didn't, it was a huge sigh of relief uh, collectively in all of Atlanta. So, yeah, for me, it, it's the Saints grabbing a quality quarterback in this draft class. Uh, I have no shame in saying that I want to continue to see them suffer and go back to wearing uh, brown bags on their heads in their stadium. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, there's so much, and some of it is so stupid, but so much <laughs> weird discussion around Justin Fields and has been for the last few weeks, um, yeah. which which just kind of happens when people get cabin fever when it comes to the draft. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, but I mean, I don't know. I, I certainly think it's at least in the possible range of outcomes that he's falling to 16, 17, you know, to, to, the, to the point where it is, it's a fair price. And I think, I think the, the, the team to beat is probably Washington. Like I, I kind of share this fear for you or with you, I guess, as a Cowboys fan, like if he, if he were to fall that far, I think Washington scoops him up. But I oh, mean, yeah. if, if new Orleans can, can jump ahead of that, I mean, at that point you're talking moving up only 10, 11 spots maybe, um, which isn't, you know, as expensive comparatively. Um, so it is what it is, but there's nothing like, I mean, you mentioned, we've talked about the Marcus Davenport draft. That was the Calvin Ridley draft. If I remember correctly. Um, yeah. so, so there's nothing like you get a superstar and you're like most hated, you know, division rival, get, you know, just has a whiff. Um, so, um, you know, good times there. Anything you want to <laughs> offer David, just final thoughts, uh, on behalf of the NFC South, you do speak for all four fan bases at this moment. Oh man, that's, that is painful in, in many ways. Um, Honestly, you know, th this is, in my opinion, one of the most interesting divisions to keep an eye on right now. You know, everyone knows Tampa is going to be right back in the mix of things. But I, I think one or two key pieces for several of these teams, you know, the Saints have a, a really good defensive core there. You know, the Panthers, obviously, they're, they're banking on uh, their new quarterback, but they actually have a lot of good young players as well. This is a more interesting division that I think people are giving credit to and, and one that deserves more attention league-wide. Well, um, the last time an NFC South team won the Super Bowl prior to this year was the 2009 New Orleans Saints, which I know is painful to consider. But yeah. uh, the year after, the 2010 Atlanta Falcons went 13 and three. So, like, if if history repeats mm -hmm. itself in that capacity, you know, it's gonna be good times for David Walker and the people over at the Falcoholic. Dave, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Enjoy the draft. Hopefully, things shake out your way. Can't wait to see what the Falcons do with number four overall. Appreciate it, RJ. Have a good one.